and welcome to another episode of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, Chartered Psychologist and Coach, and I'm joined once again by my colleague, co-host, co-podcaster, <laughs> Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are you doing today? I I was like, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit different. I thought, what's he going to call me? Yes, no. <laughs> yes, all of those things. And uh, yes, I'm doing very well, Richard, and happy to be here with you and our listeners. I would only call you nice things. Uh, I always have the <laughs> reminder to ask you how you're doing, but also I hate sort of reading things verbatim because I've reminded myself to say them. So yeah, you don't know what I'm going to say on this, which is which no. is quite nice. It'll keep you on your toes. <laughs> yes, well, look, definitely. before we dive into the main topic of this episode, um, a couple of bullet points of news to share with the listeners. Um, longtime listeners will be familiar with our online community called Work Life Psych Club. And we have a online meetup scheduled each month where we get together and discuss and review a topic that's relevant to an aspect of our personal development. And that's a very broad topic. But anyway, the, the next three have gone into the calendar. And by the time you're listening to this, the next uh, will be um, the October one on the 25th, Wednesday, the 25th. And um, I'm flagging it because it is a topic that people are very interested in. We're going to have a session about the things you can do, simple things you can do to invest in your own well-being, your physical and your psychological well-being. And the context for this is lots of the challenges that we face um mm -hmm. lots of the things that have an impact on our well-being are out of our control they're um systemic they are things like uh, the demands that come our way at work the workloads um some of the change that goes on around us yet there are things that we have got more control over in our lives and i want to focus on that bit um to help people you know look at um some principles they can bring to life and habits they can cultivate that will support their well-being so that's on the 25th that's free for all members of work life psych club which itself is free to join and you can sign up today <laughs> at worklifepsych.club i think i've said the word free a few times there anyway um and our newsletter just went out um just a few days ago um it's the second edition of the refreshed version of our newsletter so you can find it and past uh editions and sign up for it at worklifepsych.news um it does reference things on the podcast and the blog and the youtube channel but it's also a place to sort of discuss um things that are going on at the moment and um I sort of pick a topic each time. So this time around, there, there was a bit of a, a discussion on some of the, the downside of goal setting. So I'm still a fan of goal setting, but there are some risks involved. So if you're interested in that, you can find it at worklifepsych.news. And Richard, if I can say, because I haven't written it, so you're not going to say it, it's a really good coffee read, listeners. Oh, it's, thank it's, you. it's a newsletter, but you can really like sit down with your coffee for, I don't know, five, seven minutes, have a look through. You know, it's so, yes, I, I recommend it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, listen, this time around, um, I'm going to answer a question that I get a lot in. Uh, the coaching context, which is, well, what should I do between coaching sessions? Um, often uh, you, new coaches, or to be honest, even people who've worked with a coach before, um, we, we sort of imagine, look, let's pretend you haven't done any of this before. Let's start from scratch. What is it that you would like to know? 
And this question, what, what should I do, comes to the top every time. Now, when we're in a coaching session, it's pretty obvious to everyone what we ought to be doing, you know, talking, listening, exploring, planning, uh, bringing our focus to the conversation and all of that good stuff. But that's a lot easier to do when you're live with your coach. And then there's a frequent experience that the coaching session is over and you go back to your life, <laughs> busyness, mm. um, demands, tasks, your, your calendar and all of that stuff. And you, you then maybe a week or two later wonder, should, should I be doing something? Have I missed out here? And what I want to emphasize is the overarching point that it's, it's really important to consider what you're actually going to do in between the coaching sessions, because really the action that you take, however small, um, in between sessions, it, that's what's going to make the difference to the outcome you get from the coaching program. So really, I'm emphasizing doing something. Uh, something is better than nothing in this case, but really want to give a steer in terms of four things that people can do in between coaching sessions so that they're going to increase the chance they'll get the wins that they're looking for. Does that make sense, Pilar? Yes, completely. And it's making me think how it turns coaching into something that I would, for example, think, well, I just turn up to the sessions and you know, I'm present in the sessions and Richard drives them and I'm there fully. But then in a way it flips it. And the time in between those sessions is really about me, the coachee, moving it mm. forwards. So I, I really like that, that it's it makes coach with this what you're going to talk about it makes coaching really a two-way and, and the responsibility falling as much on the coachee almost that's how i'm receiving it yeah that good because that's really <laughs> what i'm trying to get across <laughs> that we you know in between coaching conversations uh it's up to you and it's for you it's not for the coach it's to help mm. you get to where you want to be whatever it is that you're trying to to achieve or change or um, whatever it is, you're tr whatever direction you're trying to grow in. So big picture, before we get into the four topics, when I talk about coaching, uh, let's say I'm having a, a chemistry meeting with a prospective coachee, um, a short conversation where we almost sound each other out uh, about could we work together and what is it you want to work on. But I always cover off that it's useful to think of coaching as a program of activity over an arc of time and not, as you've just said, a series of mm. meetings that potentially are a little bit disconnected. So we might have, we'll probably have six months um, of elapsed time, but that's six hours of conversation, but all of the other hours for you to do things. Now, obviously you're going to be sleeping for some of them, let's be honest, but there's many, many hours left in that six months where you could take action. Now, the action you're going to take what it is you're going to do is really going to be dependent on what it is you're trying to achieve, the area you're working on, what you're working through, etc. But there are some principles that I think hold true regardless of your context. So four things to bear in mind. You leave the coaching conversation, whether it's a meeting room, or a Zoom call, and it ends. What could you do next? Number one on the list is time. It's about being intentional with your time. I um, really advocate being intentional with time so that time is blocked in your schedule. You know, our calendars are a visual representation of how we intend to invest our limited time. So how can you carve out some time 
both immediately before your coaching conversation and immediately afterwards to give yourself a little time to get into the headspace of coaching and then afterwards to review any notes you've taken to clarify with yourself what you're going to do next. Maybe just to have a moment before you dive back into the hurly-burly of everyday life. But you can also look for slices of time in your everyday routine um, to come back to the coaching focus. Maybe it's putting something into practice, maybe it's undertaking a task, but it's saying to yourself, I'm going to take this moment to reconnect with what it is I'm trying to do. Now, you might view this as a a daily habit, or you might take a slice of time once a week. It's really going to depend on you and your context. But the kind of nightmare scenario we're trying to avoid here is the night before your next coaching session, (laughs) opening your notes and saying, okay, what should I have been doing for the last 30 days? We can't compress that kind of activity um, into just a couple of hours the day before. So do it little and often over a period of time, be intentional about it, put appointments in your calendar. It sounds very structured, but that means it's a lot more likely to happen. And if it's important to you, it needs to be a priority in your schedule. Does that make sense? Yes. And you say that it sounds very structured and I think it's right that it is because that it's part of it's very easy to say, okay, these are my coaching times with Richard. I put them in my calendar and they go, oh, and and I'll work out how to navigate the rest of the program as I go along. Whereas I can see someone like me would need to go, right, if that's when the meetings are, I need time here to get ready for them, time here to digest. And I would need maybe a time like in between those to to work on on me (laughs) without being focused on how I'm going to work with you. So yeah, I th- I think that that a lot of the time, I know when I think of coaching, I forget of that, all that time that you have to fit in. Um, yes. Hmm. Let me share something then. I'm, I'm putting my own stuff into practice in my life here um, <gasps> in that I recently restarted going to Japanese classes, uh, language classes. Oh. And there again, I've made an investment um, mm. of money and time Monday evenings for an hour and a half with a teacher. I then thought, I, I really want to make this work this time because I've tried it a few times before and it's never really taken off for me. And I really wanted it to be different this time. So I thought, well, what's, what, what can I do differently? Number one, put appointments in my own diary to do my homework, to do my practice and not assume that I'll be inspired during the week at some point. Without that in my calendar, it's highly unlikely it will happen. And of course, I'm not doing it for my Japanese teacher. I'm doing it for me. So I'm sure she won't be upset if I turn up without it. She might be a bit sort of professionally disappointed, but it's for me. So seeing these little slices of time remind me, okay, it's time, get out the notes, do your homework and yeah, it makes it makes all the difference because I don't have to decide when will I do this. I've already decided I'm going to do it on a Wednesday evening, which is actually when I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, and on the flip side, we have when I used to go to singing lessons when I didn't do anything in between because I waited, like you said, for inspiration, and I always arrived to the class and I hadn't done anything. <laughs> And uh, because I hadn't put it, I was like, oh, I never did it. I didn't put it in my schedule. So, yeah, I can see that with coaching as well. I I suppose because coaching is maybe, sorry, Richard, because it's a thinking, because what we might need to do is less like 
like get setting, for example, setting, settling down to do the Japanese homework, you probably know what you need to do. And for me, with the singing lessons, I probably would know what to work on. Maybe with the coaching, sometimes we're not sure how long to put. I don't know. Is there? This is I mean? a really good point. I mean, I would hope that when someone leaves a coaching session with me or one of the team, they're clear on what their next steps are. But you know what? There's mm. a difference between I understand versus I do. And yes. I get it conceptually. But then when I sit down to do it, I wonder, mm. oh, wait, hold on. You know, now the rubber hits the road and I, I wonder what the practicalities are. So I, I was going to say, but you've raised the point that I'm not going to tell you how long to put aside, but put some time aside soon so that you can ex start to see how much time do I think I might need for the remainder of the month. So it might just right. be grabbing 15 minutes to sit down with your notes and go, okay, what did I say I was going to do differently? Or maybe I've taken away something to read here, or I'm going to do... um I'm going to do some writing about this particular topic and then put more time in rather than I'll get it all done in one, one appointment with myself, mm -hmm. because you're absolutely right. We won't know. And to be honest, many of us are not a good judge of time when it comes to the duration, especially when it's a novel and new activity, but some time is better than no time. And if you go over the appointment, all the better you're engaged in it and you've continued with it. And then the next time you go to do it, you'll know a little bit more and you'll know what works for you. Because again, it might be, depending on your circumstances, getting up early in the morning and doing it before your household wakes up might be perfect for you before you go to work. Or you might decide, actually, late in the evening is when I feel really relaxed and I can focus and I can really do this stuff. But as we'll see in a moment, some of the stuff you do, you're going to be doing it live. You're going to be undertaking things with people in your life. So it's going to be about practicing new behaviors in the workplace. But the point is being intentional with slices of time. It's a visual reminder that, oh yeah, I'm doing this coaching thing. And it's every day. It's not just once a month. And it's really that intention, that reminder that that's powerful, not so much how much time you're putting down. The next thing is questions. And even though I will say at every touch point with a prospective coachee, ask as many questions as you like, ask them when they occur to you. There are no silly questions and all of that. I know for a fact that so many coaches end a call, no, I have no questions, end a call, and then moments later think of something. And <laughs> I, I will say to people, please drop me an email, or just call me immediately if there's something that can bring you clarity to help you move forward. So if something you're going to undertake or something you're going to practice isn't 100% clear to you, then ask. Don't wait until the next coaching session because you're burning through limited time then. You know, with six sessions in the bank, um, you don't you you really want to use the time in between intentionally and and not run out of it. So ask those questions. Um, it's it's expected. I I expect to hear from people with their questions. It's not like the lines are closed because it's not coaching time. It's please get in touch, drop me an email, anything you need clarity on that will help you move in the direction you want to go. Um, I, I sometimes get a reticence um, on the part of some some clients where they, they don't want to bother you. And it's like, but this is my job. <laughs> You're not asking a favor. You're engaging in a process. 
Um, it's, it's all about you. So please make sure you get answer, answers to the questions that will help you move forward. So I think my first question with a coach would be that, would be, okay, in between sessions, is it okay if I send you stuff or when is the best time? Because I, you're right that there, there would be a, mm, how much can I throw my stuff at them in between? So mm -hmm. yeah, I suppose that is a question you can have. It's a conversation you have with your coach. Absolutely. It's either covered off in the, the chemistry session or in mm. the very first coaching session. And um, depending on what someone is going to do. So let's imagine someone is going to do something, a reflective exercise uh, to get them familiar, some kind of thinking exercise, and it involves them writing things down. And they've never done anything like this before. So before spending hours on it, I might suggest, look, have a go, spend a couple of minutes, send it through to me, and I'll give you some feedback and a steer so that you know you're heading in the right direction. So it can be that. Let's just have a quick check-in to make sure you're doing this in the way it was intended. And so there might be a few touch points in between. And then with other coaches, there might be nothing and they'll turn up for the next yeah. session with, look, I've done this for 30 days straight. Here are my notes or here are my observations. Um, but the question is the important thing. So people should feel they can ask any questions about the process, about the concepts, about what it is that they're going to do. Now, this brings me to a, you know, probably the thing that we've mentioned several times, but I'm calling it out separately, which is taking action. Now, action, the word might imply, um, you know, lots of running around and doing things, but it, it might not be that at all, but it's following through on what you've committed to doing. So someone might start practicing a new um, productivity method. They might say, well, I'm going to start using this prioritization approach to get some clarity on my priorities each day. Uh, someone else might practice some mindfulness techniques. For another coachee, it might be practicing conversational techniques or practicing ways of having difficult and challenging conversations with their key stakeholders. It could be logging emotions and thoughts or practicing thinking skills like getting some distance from their thoughts. We've talked about all of these things on the podcast, and these are skills and reflective exercises that can really increase someone's self-awareness and build their capacity to deal with stuff in life. Now, this is the really key point. We could, we could take 45 minutes out of our session explaining it and talking about it, but then it's very different when my client is by themselves and they're looking at their notes or they're looking at a document I've sent them and they're like, hmm, I'll maybe do hmm. this tomorrow or I'll maybe pick this up next week. I don't think, and I really intentionally try and avoid, I don't think I give um, or suggest to anyone an undertaking that will be too demanding for them because what's the point of that? I, I want to help people practice things in a way that's not going to upturn their lives. So nothing should be uh, hugely time-consuming or hugely difficult. It's about little and often. So whatever it is, spread it, spread the action across the weeks in between our time. That gives you the capacity to try and frankly, make a mess and learn from that, then try again and do slightly better and try again in a different context and 
recalibrate and maybe try it a different way. Um, if that was conversations, you'd have so many opportunities to try different conversational skills. If it's productivity methods, you'd have, you know, maybe 28 or 30 days to practice identifying your priorities and noting them and seeing the impact of that. So doing these little things as many times as you can to see what am I learning from this? What difference does it make? Rather than I tried it once, I've ticked the box. So we're looking to take action, not for the sake of action, but for what the action will give us, what kind of insights, what kind of results it will get us. And this is difficult to discuss, right? Because I, I don't know what the person <laughs> is going to take away and do, but the principle is there. Do it, do it little and often, and then we'll talk about how it went, which is another thing. It's, it's about being able to experiment and not look for magical results, but instead, let me see how this works. Let me try it and see how it feels to do it, or let me see what kind of response I get from other people. That's what we're looking to do. And we can't just think our way through that. We have to experience it. And it, and it makes sense to go back to what you said about coaching being a program, because I, I, I would probably, if I've had a session or we're looking at something specific, I would probably go, okay, a couple of days later, I try it. And then I forget about it for a while. We're actually, if you, you usually, I imagine in coaching, building on something that is going to be a long lasting skill or a skill that needs time to experiment, reflect and improve. And so I think that that would be challenging for me that making these times where I'm taking action feel like they're part of an ongoing process rather than I've done them right. Like you said, I've ticked that right next session, mm, something different. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and I think that's part of, um, partly it's the coach's responsibility to be able to signpost, Hey, this thing that we're working mm. on together will enable you to do this, but there's a bit of a journey to get there. And this is the contribution this skill makes, or you've asked me, um, how you're going to get from A to B. And we explored what you were up for what you were willing to try. This is what we've arrived at. And this is the, the optimal way to go about it. So I will frame things in one of two kind of buckets, if you like. There'll be things that are clearly habits. Repeat it, um, ingrain it, embed it in your routines. And then over time, notice the difference that makes. But in the short term, we're just looking to establish it and be consistent with it. And in the other bucket, there are um, consecutive steps on the way to something else. So step one is do this. After you've done that, then you'll do step B, and that's different to A, and you've almost got mm. a bit of a checklist. And being really clear about that enables people to go, well, I just need to do this one thing every day for 30 days, and let me see, versus I need to make a plan for these other things. Um, but the more you can be clear about that, and the more you can give people resources uh, to fall back on rather than their memory, then the more likely it is that people are going to experience that sort of realization uh, that um, they get from real world action that doesn't come with uh, someone like me explaining the benefits. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. a very, very, very different, um, very different experience. And the more of that you can have, the more of that you'll realize. Okay, doing does make a difference. And really over the years, I've had so many coaches say that to me at the end of the process. Um, if I can be honest with you, I didn't believe this, but once I did it, 
I got to see the results and it was worthwhile. So in part, hold on to your disbelief and just try, just give it a go. Now, number four is implied by pretty much all of the others. But to counteract the, I've done that and it's done, I want to call out the benefits of reflection. Um, this is, it could encompass many, many things, but at a high level, what I encourage my coaches to do is to take time to think about how all this is working for them. How does it feel to do that thing? What have you noticed about the impact it's having? But not just think it through, make, make a note of it. You know, I encourage people to take um, the time to maintain a, a coaching journal, whatever format works for them. It could be a notebook, a digital file, whatever it is, where they can just dump their thoughts, their feelings, their questions for me that they want to ask the next time if they're not urgent. But they have a log then of the experience. And, and engaging in reflection, as we've said previously when we were talking about uh, the, the risk of career derailment and what we can do to stave that off, is build our self-awareness. And, and we can do that through reflection in part. And the reflection of what have I noticed about the impact of this? And you know, does the difficulty outweigh the benefits? And not just doing it because you, know, you agreed to do it, but doing it and then really experiencing it. What difference does it make to my life if I identify, identify my most important three tasks each morning? What difference does it make to my life when I take that brave and uncomfortable step of initiating a conversation with a colleague? Or what difference does it make to my life when I, you know, uh, begin a healthy habit like taking the stairs rather than the lift every day? Not only the result, which will come with time, but how did it feel to do this new thing? And how might I do more of these new things? So reflection is I do then I think about it, then I do some more, and I've got something to show for it. I've made myself some notes. I've drawn myself a picture. Whatever it is, you've got a record of it. I made this point um, the other day to someone that you know one of the biggest leaps we've made in human evolution was the ability to write things down. And then here we are in the year 2023, and so many mm -hmm. of us are still relying on our memory when we could be just outsourcing that to a pen and paper or the screen and come back to that information later. So in part, reflection is learning, but also being able to return to that log of experiences and notice, oh wow, I view this really differently now. Or I was anxious about that five months ago, and now it doesn't bother me at all. There is an investment of time and effort in this, but I really, really emphasize that that investment does pay off. And in fact, many coaches maintain a log going forward. They main, maintain some kind of journal because uh, they really see the benefit of that for their own uh, peace of mind, their mental health, and their, their self-awareness. So there are the four things, Pilar. What do you think? Anything mm -hmm. that's, that, that doesn't make sense from the coachee's perspective? Oh, it all makes perfect sense, but it sounds like a lot of hard work. <laughs> that is my, my first thought, which is, which I which is fine because I think that any program of investment, uh, sorry, any program of development would needs the investment. And I think knowing that there is that 
that it is work as in as it as in it's not going to happen by chance and you are going to have to work at it um so yeah I was being facetious, obviously. <laughs> <But> <laughs> That's it fine. But it's nice to break, but it's really useful to break it down like this because it's one thing to say, well, you're going to have to put some work into it in between sessions and you go, right, okay. Whereas if you say, you know, you need you need to be looking for time to reflect, it helps if you write it down, it helps if you've identified the actions that are often. So it's really useful to break down what hard work will look like. And... I agree. And for some people, let's not overemphasize this. This activity could be what they want to do. And it's not hard work at Mm. all. Maybe they are a very reflective person by nature. I just know that many of my clients who put themselves in the box of, you know, super busy, um, high achieving people, this, the, the challenge is how will I find the time? How will I find the focus to do this? And so we'll whittle it down to something that's so small, they, they have no excuse not to do it, but it's a good start. And this, I think, uh, hopefully it's come through that, you know, taking the time to work on yourself and your development isn't just for the coaching either. This is hopefully a habit that you can maintain long after coaching with me is over because you see the benefits that that, that gives you. So and I have to say, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Ooh, sorry, Richard, but I just think that the the questions that you gave under the section for reflection, they're such great questions for anyone that's, that that wants some guidance. Because I know sometimes for me to write down and think about something I've done is really difficult. But you've given us so many questions just in the reflection piece that um, I just, yeah. Anyway, I just want to say this nicely. No, it, it it is, and you know, experience shows me that there's few things as daunting as a blank page when someone needs to mm. write something. So instead, saying, "Look, start with these questions and take it in whatever direction works for you," um, because you know, being asked, "Go and reflect." That's a that's a terrible phrase. Go and reflect. You know, what does that mean? Okay, see if you can notice these things. Yeah. Answer these questions. Have a think about how it's working out for you. That's reflection. Anything that moves us away from automatic pilot, that's reflection. Um, so hopefully we've broken it down. Um, but my coaches will, if they're listening, any of them have listened to this, they'll be nodding along. Hopefully they'll have heard these things before, but we have other resources. So if you would like to learn more about this, um, we've got a coaching uh, playlist on the YouTube channel with new things being added to that all the time. Um, I'll, I'll list some other resources in the show notes as well as that, but we've got a brand new coaching frequently asked questions page on the website. And I'm adding to this all the time, and it does include questions like this. And so we're going to address some of these over the next few episodes, but that will be a resource that grows over time to demystify coaching and the coaching process and really follow through on that belief I have that forewarned is forearmed and people get a much better experience if they've had good quality answers to their questions before starting the whole process. So there we are. What what I think um, should be done between coaching sessions. I'd love to hear from you. If you've worked with a coach and you've found reflection or activities like this useful, um, how did it, how did it, uh, become a habit for you? How did you make sure you followed through on those commitments? We'd love to hear from you. You can drop us an email, um, podcast at worklifepsych.com or contact us on, on any of the socials that will be listed in the show notes. We really do love to hear from our listeners um and i heard from a listener just the other day actually um so it's really nice when you you just 
speak to someone and they're saying by the way i listen to the podcast so it's great to hear that so we've got another one done pilar um thank you for joining me and for everyone out there thank you for listening Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com/contact. Thanks for listening.